0: Father, thanks so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. We do look to you now for help, for utterance in the Holy Ghost, for boldness to speak your word. May each person have eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts open and receptive. Lord, thank you for doing a work inside of us today by your grace, giving us those things that we need today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Uh, we've been talking about growing up about for the last month, and we're going to continue to talk about growing up today and probably next week as well, and we'll see from there. Um, are you growing? Yeah. I, I pray that you are. And uh, let's look, look at our text again from Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, of course, the Lord gave us the fivefold ministry gifts. In verse 13, He tells us for how long. He says, he says till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see that the word perfect there, of course that's a full age, a mature person. That's related to the knowledge of the Son of God. Just because a person's saved doesn't mean they have this knowledge of the Son of God. But when they do come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, they will have grown to full stature okay verse 14 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head christ and so it's the will of god again now that we all Grow and this statement would not be given these passages would not be in our Bible if growth were automatic, if just because you received the Lord you automatically became of full age or a perfect man, no, we don't, therefore we need the fivefold ministry gifts we need what the work of the Lord and the Word of God in our lives that will help us to grow and increase all right we have been Over, uh, well, last weekend, we began giving you, um, I gave you the first five in what I called seven marks of the mature. Remember that? All right. If you don't remember that, yikes, (laughs) take notes, (laughs) but seriously, if you missed it, uh, get the CD or go online and listen to it for free. Um, And get caught up because we're going to pick up right here and right now with point number six, okay? Marks of the mature. Number six, the mature, they see the invisible. This is one characteristic of a mature person is they see the invisible. A immature person is completely limited to the natural world and the natural realm. They do all their existence... ...in accordance with physical stuff, natural stuff. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 with me. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 27. 11, 27. Speaking of Moses here, it says, "...by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." That almost seems like a contradiction of terms. How can you see him who is not visible? Well, this is an element of maturity. And I don't believe that Moses physically had uh, an open vision in this regard where he said... I see God with my physical eyes. That's not the type of seeing that is referenced here. But he did, in a matter of speaking, see God. He could see something that could not be seen. He could see Him who could not be seen. Can you? Question is, can you see Him? I see Him. Now, do I see Him? See Him? Well, I don't see Him physically. I don't see Him like I see you sitting in front of me, but I do see Him. And this is essential for the growing believer. You must get to a place where you see things that can't be seen. I know that sounds a little bit crazy to some, but as, we'll, as we move on here, you'll see that just the opposite is true, okay? This is a depth of maturity to be able to live in two realms, See, we are not just physical beings. We are spiritual beings that live in a physical body, in a physical world. But as believers, we are supposed to be operating in two realms at the same time. This is, again, something that every one of us need. But how many people every day, they wake up and they live their day as if the physical world were all there is to it. It's all about natural stuff. In fact, you look at their life and you look at the life of the person who lives next door to them who doesn't know God and they're the same other than their garage is empty this morning. But other than that, there's not much difference. They do everything the same. That's a lack of maturity. That's a lack of living in two realms at the same time. I know there are are people who will say, That people like you and me, the things that we believe, the way that we act, how we lift our hands into the air, we speak and sing and pray out into nothingness, they will say things like, well, it's just because you're weak and you need this crutch in your life. This faith thing, this God business, that's just a crutch that the weak have. uh, But a person who's really strong, they don't actually need that for their life. Just the opposite's true. When a person is limited to the physical realm, all their decisions, everything they have that has to do with their life is all in the natural realm, that is a weak person. That is a person who is oblivious to spiritual realities. But the more we grow, the more we know about what's available. And we can literally see things that can't be seen. And we operate in two realms at the same time. You know, it really makes a difference. Because we're talking, when I say see, the scripture says see, I, I think we could use this word aware. A mature person is aware of God at all times in their life do you think that makes a difference in how people live listen when you're dealing with uh, you're sharing the word you're sharing the word of God with another person when you know that God is there you're aware of his presence you see him who is invisible it'll change the way you speak you'll talk with a greater confidence you'll speak with a greater with a greater boldness than you would it's like well, well God's here I know our, fr- our friend Joe Morris, when he's ministered at our church from time to time, the Lord uses him mightily in uh, what the Word of God calls the discerning of spirits, which means seeing into the spirit realm. And it's very frequent when he, when he ministers, uh, ministers to the sick that he'll see angels. And sometimes just right he'll have to step back because the angel's there. <laughs> Do you think that helps? <laughs> Do you think that helps in any degree of confidence when you actually see the source here and you see some spiritual activity. Absolutely. Now the thing is we don't have to see that but our awareness of God at all times will change our confidence level. Will change our faith level in doing things. When we lay hands on the sick, when you pray for someone, if you're just consciously aware of you You're not going to be real confident. I know I'm not. Maybe you're something special. But I'm thinking, I I don't really think I can do this. But when I'm aware of God, (laughs) I'm laughing. Come on, this is a piece of cake. And I do this purposely. I stir myself up because I live in a physical world. Every time I wake up, there it is. I stir myself up, keep my faith strong, and my awareness and reality of God strong in my life so that when I'm dealing with a situation someone's got a problem I need to pray I need to access life and spiritual power I'm aware of God and what happens? good things happen amen God has access to that situation my confidence rises but just like a person it'll change their boldness and confidence it'll change a person's behavior some places you won't go when Jesus is there You know what I'm talking about? Some things you won't say to people. Some things you won't do or look at. If you're aware, God is right there with me. (laughs) But what happens when a person falls into sin is they're not aware of God. Now, they know intellectually, well, yeah, I guess God's everywhere and He's with me. But they're not thinking about it. They're not consciously aware of His presence at all times. But the mature live that way. They wake up, there's God. Hmm? They go to work. They go do their things through the day. There's God. He's in the car. You show up at the mall. There's God again. (laughs) Why? He's just always there. And the fact is, He is always there. But here's the mature element of this. We know it. We're aware of it. We live conscious of His presence at all times. That's one of the marks of the mature they see the invisible. Amen. Amen. Now, lest anyone go overboard with this, some might take the statements that I've made and you take that a little bit further and you think, well, if a spiritual person, if a mature person, if they live in the physical and in the spiritual, then a really mature person lives only in the spiritual. No. No. <laughs> That's when they get weird. <laughs> Woo! And they're always seeing things. Always. There's, they're looking at you funny. Can't, every time they look at you, they see something else. <laughs> no, that's called devil conscious. <laughs> that's called, uh, get your feet back on the ground. All right. The Lord didn't call us to only live in the spirit realm. We are to live in both physical realm be very practical be very natural but spiritually minded accessing spiritual force and power and truth and and the very life of God that's available in fact you know what that's the only way that God can really use us if I'm just so naturally minded maybe I've received the Lord but I'm just so so natural so preoccupied with natural things I'm never going to be of much use to him he needs you and I to access spiritual truth and power and anointing and be aware of Him, His presence, His angelic forces at all times. And it, again, changes the way we live. Okay, number seven. Here we go. Everybody ready? Number seven. The, ma- the mature have a sense of eternity. They live with a sense of eternity. The immature live only with this life in mind. Their thoughts are filled with natural things. The mature live with a constant awareness of the brevity of this life and what eternity holds for both the Christian and the sinner. Again, we understand as the mature that our life is but a vapor. Most people in our world though, they're just thinking about their life. They're 70, 80, 100, whatever, years, 120 years. They're just thinking of this life. And that's as far as their mind goes. We need to be conscious of something beyond that. And know that our life is just like that. Just like as we've grown, uh, as, as a person grows older physically, they look back and it's time just flew. When we have a spiritual mindset, we realize that it's not going to be long at all. And we are going to be sitting in glory land, sitting in heaven. we'll be saying to each other, wow, that was quick. I mean, it just seems like yesterday. That it was, And it was like 400 years ago. <laughs> know what I'm talking about? The further you go, the more you look back and time just flew but we put our life on a scale on a, put it on a line eternity going both directions how many know we're just a speck your life is but a vapor just a speck it's here and it's gone we live with the knowledge of not you know so many decades here on the earth and I'm just working my job and getting ready preparing my retirement and until the end well the end is not the end this is just preparation for the next place. We're just, this is just a dressing room, man. We're just getting prepared for the real act. <laughs> and when things go on forever and ever. But again, the immature, they don't live with that in mind. They don't, uh, you know, when they get around, like we had the testimony of the co-worker, and uh, they get around people they work with, or uh, just those around them, they don't look at someone and, and wonder... I wonder where that person's going to spend eternity. They don't look at people and think, I wonder if they're saved or if they're lost. Have they received the Lord or are they lost? They're just oblivious to it. It never crosses their mind. They're just going on through their natural life as if one of these days it's all over and that's the end. If you ask them about it, they know better. That they just don't think that way they're just not conscious of it and this is something we need to be in play in our lives every person you meet every day that you live you realize that what you're doing today is preparation for eternity amen and what you're doing today you're actually stacking up rewards for yourself every act of obedience, every act of love, everything you do in the Lord is building up something great for you in the future, a great day of reward. What are you doing today that indicates your knowledge of eternity? How is your life different? What could you point to specifically in your life that would show that you know that this is not all there is to it? It should affect our lives, and we should be different in some way. You're in Hebrews there. Look at the ch- look at the tenth chapter, chapter ten, and verse thirty-four. It says in verse thirty-four, "For you had compassion on me." I believe that's Paul talking there. You had compassion on me in my chains. And joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Sometimes we read right over passages like that and don't really think about it. Their goods were plundered. In other words, they've been diligent, saving up. they got their house and they got some stuff. And they've been faithful with God's resources, been a good steward. And here comes the government, the corrupt, evil government persecuting Christians. They come over and show up one day and clean you out. And they just take your car, take your horse, take your TV, and they take your bed and your couch and all your stuff. Take your iPods and your computers. They just cleaned them out. Took all your stuff. They plundered their goods. There's nothing they can do about it. How many feel blessed? I don't know about you. I know there's some problems in our country and there's some, some things going the wrong way, but I haven't had my goods plundered yet. I haven't had the government show up yet and just clean me out and say, you're a Christian, we're taking your stuff. But that's what was happening in their day. That was some of the challenges they faced. Notice what it said. You joyfully accepted this. Well, how do you do that? That doesn't sound like joy to me. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. Standing on the front porch. All right, we'll see you guys later. Come over again sometime. <laughs> you got my stuff? Might want to bring a chair. If you come to visit... But here's what they had in mind, and this will help us even if our goods are not being plundered. Notice what it said. Knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Why could they have a good attitude and be joyful in the midst of plundering? They were mindful of eternity. They were mindful of heaven. They said, man, you got my stuff junk." However, i got a really nice place and it's coming up. My life is just but a vapor. It's just going to be a, not too long. I'm going to be out of here and that place is going to last forever and it's going to be great and wonderful and their mindset being knowledgeable and conscious of that help their attitude in the present. You and I need to live not just with this life in mind. Doesn't mean we check out and throw up our hands and say, oh, well, no use. No, the Lord wants us to have victory and have, have, be overcomers in this life. However, we know more than that. Amen. We know more. It's why when a person loses a loved one, they don't have to lose their joy. Even though they feel a, they feel a sorrow, they know this is not all there is to this. This is not all that's, uh, it's not all said and done right here and right now. This is only preparation For the future. Look at chapter 11 and verse 10. Chapter 11 verse 10. Speaking of Abraham. It said, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Even he knew that there was something greater coming. That God had prepared a place. And he lived mindful uh, mindful of that in his life. Same thing ought to be true with us. Look at verse 16. But now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. The mature are mindful of a future. That we, that the natural man does not have, know anything about. But we've got something coming. Live every day. Let me encourage you. Grow in this area. Live every day. If you have to force... Your mind to go that way? Do it. Do it for a while. Remind yourself when you wake up, this is temporary. I see God. He's here. And I'm aware of eternity. That everything I do matters forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, that's seven. I told you we're giving you seven marks to the mature. Let me give you number eight now. I told you it might grow. <laughs> Number eight. Number eight. The mature they are very discerning. The mature are very discerning. Discernment is the ability to judge well. Christians ought to be the best judges around. We we're accurate. We see things clearly. In fact, the biblical word uh, discernment, you know, it, it literally means to see. To be discerning, you're a person who sees. Whereas an immature person is more likely to be confused. They're more frequently lacking clarity. But a mature person, more and more they see things clearly. They're not wondering, is this right? Is this wrong? They're not frequently asking questions. Is it okay for a Christian to do such and such? Is it okay for a Christian to do this, or to go here, or to drink this, or to look at this, or to smoke this, or or whatever? They're not frequently confused about what's okay, what's good, and what's evil. And I understand you might be there and you might have a lot of those questions, and that's okay. I'm telling you, as you grow, you won't have those anymore. A lot of those things are just they'll just be answered. You'll just, you'll see from a new perspective and you'll be able to say, you'll look back and think, why in the world was I ever confused about that? I can see that in my own life. I can remember times when I had questions and now I look and I think, why was I confused about that? It's, I mean, that's about as clear as you can get. That's so simple. I just hadn't been, I just wasn't developed that far. Amen. But there becomes less and less gray area, by the way, too. A lot of times people are living in this big gray area. Their life is gray. Favorite color is gray. <laughs> Just a whole lot of confusion, indecision, not knowing what's good or bad right from wrong. I'm telling you, growth corrects that. And you stop wondering, and you know for certain what's good to do, what's not good to do. And I've noticed that uh, the more I've grown, the simpler, complex issues have become. Not complex anymore. And that will happen with all of us. We can see from our opening scripture in Ephesians 4 that children are tossed to and fro. or In other words, they're easily deceived, whereas the mature are not easily deceived. Being able to see is clearly one of the defining marks of a mature Christian. They easily understand. We know this. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless one's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He didn't just say go to the kingdom of God. He said he can't see it. In other words, there's not revelation. There's not understanding. We have to be born again. And that light has to come in so that we can see. I want to sh- show you a couple of scriptures. You don't need to turn to them. But uh, Ezekiel 44 and verse 23, speaking about the priests in their day, It said, and they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the unholy and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. You see how God wants us to know this. He expects His people to know what's holy and what's not holy. What's clean and what's unclean. And so he charged his leaders, his priests in the Old Testament, you teach them the difference. The problem is today in our society is the same as then. People don't know the difference. So many people see everything as the same everything's of equal value, of equal importance. Nothing is to be uh, lifted up higher or or brought down lower compared to something else. That's just not true. The Lord wants... I mean, some of the problems is because just like the priests in their day, it's the ministers in our day. It's the fivefold ministry gifts that have not accurately defined for people what's right and wrong, what's good and bad, what's dark and light. And so there's a big blending going on. Can hardly tell who's a Christian and who's not They just look the same Their lives are the same They talk the same They go to the same places Do all the same things There's a there's a lack here In clearly seeing good and evil Right from wrong And that's got to be cleaned up It's got to be a real clear distinction In our minds To understand the Lord's perspective in what is holy and what's not holy. What's clean and what is unclean. Again, when we blur things together, you know, people don't recognize that, that People come to church just the same way they come to a movie. say, what do you mean? I'm asking you, what, what do you think I mean? If you don't know, I guess it's my job to tell you. I'm telling you, it's a different mindset. People have things in their life, well, I shop and I work and I play and I ski and I go to church and I eat and I... Wrong list. You can't put all those things on the same list. The things of God must be separate for you. They must be distinguishable where this is You know, some of those other things, I wouldn't necessarily call them unholy, but they're not holy. I mean, they're not evil, not sinful. They're just not holy. It just is not supposed to take the same categorization that the things of God do. And because of that, people haven't separated and they're missing out on some things that God wants to do in their lives. People don't regard anything as holy. People won't dress up for anything. People will spend their tithe on bills or recreation, not think much of it, not really realizing that these things are holy to God. There needs to be a distinction in our minds. Amen. People treat God's anointed with such a casualness. They would say everything's the same. We're all equal, and no, we're not. God uses people and things and institutions and, and and He puts His Spirit on things, and we're to respect that. We're to respect each other and recognize that that God separates some of these things in His mind, and let's not fall trap, fall in the trap that the world is in right now, where it's, it's just condemning. Any time you exalt one thing above another. Well, some things are supposed to be exalted above others. Even God promotes one and puts down another. Promotion comes from God. Remember the Psalms? Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. A full-aged person recognizes good and evil. Let me say it another way. An immature person says it's all the same. An immature person sees it as one big fat honking gray area. Well, you never really know. We're just going to... We'll leave it up to God. That is a big cop-out. Huh? People won't make any kind of judgment call and call a spade a spade. They'll say, well, I'm just going to leave that in the hands of the Almighty. No, the Lord put it in His Word... In our hands so we could rightly discern, rightly judge, and live right, live holy, have standards in our lives. Not talking about pushing somebody else around or condemning another person, but we are to clearly see and recognize the holy from the unholy. Amen. Say amen whether you like it or not. Look at 1 Corinthians 2. Let me say it this way. Say amen whether you see it or not. 1 Corinthians 2. Let's look here verse 12. It says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Well, why have we received the Spirit who is from God? He tells us that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. He gave us the Spirit so that we would know. We would know stuff, man, so we would see clearly. He said, verse 13, These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. What do you mean the natural man? Well, that could be, we could say, an unsaved man unsaved person we could also I think even categorize a believer a saved person who's just living completely in the natural if you are fully mindful of natural things and oblivious to eternity uh, oblivious to the invisible realm then you are living naturally and the things of God won't make sense to you say oh you're just confusing me actually you came in with the, with the confusion, I just put the light on it and now you see it. <laughs> you were already confused before you showed up, don't blame me. <laughs> but if we're living totally in the natural, we will find ourselves confused about a lot of things. But when you give your mind and attention and thoughts to the things of God, the things of life, things of the Spirit, you'll start seeing stuff. You'll recognize, oh, there it is. There's the answer. There's the key. There's a solution right there. Wow, that's amazing. I can't wait to see more. And you'll get that way. You'll start hungering like when I had that Belgian hot fudge Sunday. <laughs> I, I wanted another one. <laughs> my stomach said, no. My head said, my mouth said, yes. <laughs> Verse uh, 15. Did I read the rest of 14? No. It said, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Spiritual discernment. You and I should be very spiritually discerning. That means we can differentiate. We can judge accurately and see what's right and wrong. Verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. A spiritual person... They're just... They see solutions. They see right from wrong. Again, they accurately judge whereas the natural person looks at the spiritual person and says, I don't get them. I can't really figure you out. Maybe you have people that way in your family or people you work with and they just... They're confused with you. They don't understand you. Well, that's good. As long as you're not being weird. There are some weirdos that, that guise it in spirituality. They're just floating around. No, but a spiritual person, they have insight. They see accurately. Not often confused. Okay, that doesn't mean that as we grow and mature and develop and become a full age, that we're going to get to a point where we never have any questions. Or there's never a situation that we're, we're going to need to pray about. <laughs> and and and, uh, and listen even to the counsel of others about. But I am saying there will be less it won't be every other day. <gasps> what does that mean? <gasps> Do you see? What does that mean? I don't understand it. And where it's actually troubling. Amen. A mature person can read a scripture that they don't understand and not be bugged by it. Not think, oh, questioning my whole faith in Christianity because I don't understand what that verse means. <laughs> Chill, stay with what you know. Get the, get the things that you don't know answered in, in, in time. He went on to say in verse, fix, verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. No one's instructing the Lord, but his mind has been placed in us through the new birth. Thank God we have access to all knowledge and all understanding. And, you know, I was thinking about some of these areas of discernment and understanding. And looking back in my life and dealing with people on varying issues, I've noticed that some areas that people trip up in and they really make a mountain out of a molehill concerning that through growth, those things no longer bother them. Uh, You know, I, I knew a person and it was around Easter time. I was speaking to them one year and there was a church getting ready to do an an Easter egg hunt for the kids. Draw in, you know, people from the city and the world and do this big outreach, hunt Easter eggs. And they looked at that and they considered that everyone that was involved with that to be compromising Christians. Because that's not what Easter's about. Don't they know this is about the resurrection? And uh, the point was yes they did <laughs> and that was the reason they were doing that to reach out to people but they were this person they were so troubled and they felt like time you do something like that that it's compromise and and you can't have anything to do with that i mean you know eggs and bunnies and such and if that's what easter is to you well you're wrong but at the same time, I don't want to crucify you for it. You know what I'm talking about? You know, sometimes at, at Christmas, there, there are people that really are opposed to the Christmas tree. You think, well, Christmas is about Jesus. you got all these people worshiping this Christmas tree and it's uh, just an idol in their home. You know what? I have never worshipped the Christmas tree. I grew up around Christmas trees. Still have Christmas trees. I'm not confused about what Christmas is about because of a tree. If I were, if I had strong conviction that trees are not to have anything to do with Christmas, I should be quiet about that. All right, I'll say something else. <laughs> you know, one of the things with uh, with Christmas is a lot of... Uh, there are extremes in consumerism and, and, and the emphasis can be placed too much at times on buying so much stuff and people lose the focus of Jesus being the reason for the season. However... I'm helping to bring balance. If you're mature, you already see this. If you're not, you might get mad at me, but then you need to listen to last last week's message and realize that you cannot be offended because that's a sign of the immature. You don't love the word. The reason we give gifts is because the wise men gave gifts. And you know what? If you give a gift to me or I give a gift to you, Do you know that I gave a gift to Jesus? Sometimes people think, well, we're just giving to each other, not even, you know, they brought them to Jesus. We should bring them to Jesus. We are. If you do, when you do something to another person, Jesus likened that unto doing it to himself. And so I kind of look at some of this, and I realize there are extremes and abuses, and some people have their focus wrong. But I'm not getting all up in arms about it. When it comes to me, I want to make sure my own focus is right. But if I see, when I see people buying too much stuff, well, that's really their own deal. You know, I'm not even so, I don't get so uptight about Santa Claus. I don't even get so uptight about (laughs) Santa Claus. (laughs) Say, what do you mean? We don't lie to our kids about them. Some people do. I don't agree with that. All right. We know, you know, there's varying stories about where Santa came from and Saint Nick and 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 different stuff. And some of that's fine and good and and in their basis. But we know a lot of people in the world they're not acknowledging the birth of Christ at Christmas time. They are. It's all about other stuff. And it's about Santa Claus. And do I agree with that? No. But I'm also not getting all in a pinch because someone lets their kids sit on Santa's lap at the mall and get some candy and even though I know there's nothing to it and, and uh, I'm just not freaked out about it I've seen some who really believe that they're more mature than everybody else because they take hard stands against that stuff you know if you rearrange the letters in Santa's name spell Satan <laughs> <A> big whoop-de-doo <laughs> There's probably a few more words you could make out of that too huh people who are and if you do this you know i don't really care that much but you know people who do a whole lot of santa stuff they're not worshiping satan even people in the world who are not saved and are not giving christmas god time they're not thinking about thank god his son came but they're not purposely trying to be anti-god they're just lost and they're just mindful of worldly stuff having a good time giving and that's positive right and we shouldn't be all up in arms about some things that you know if it's a personal conviction go with it seriously if the lord deals with you don't buy too many presents or something like that well fine i'm not going to harass you about it i say do whatever the lord leads you to do and leave me alone (laughs) but do this don't be in such a... Don't get so riled up about non-eternal issues. Making a mountain out of a molehill. You, you talk about... You know, when it comes uh, fall time, and there's that dark holiday. Halloween. Some people are really disturbed about that. So, what should we do? <laughs> Listen... Let me just tell you where I'm coming from and help you to have a what I believe is a mature perspective. Okay, I'm not saying I know everything. But I know the origins of Halloween. There's some pretty dark stuff. And I'm also aware that on that day there are some witches and warlocks and these type of people and they're Satan worshipers and that's their big deal. That's their day. And you can read stories and there's a lot of evil and dark stuff that happens during that time and I don't personally celebrate it. We don't do ghosts and and all that kind of stuff and witches and all that that kind of stuff. Candy, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Do not sacrifice people. That would be bad. (laughs) However, now listen, most people in the world that get involved with parties and trick or treat and all this kind of stuff do you know that the vast majority of them have no interest in worshiping satan they're not involved in witchcraft and say you saying it's okay i personally don't like the all the dark stuff i'm not into that however i'm not opposed to i'm not going to come down and make it my crusade that you know you guys need to stop your trick-or-treating because you know you know the origins of that well you know the origins of the days of the week and the months on our calendar there's a lot of stuff that's related to paganism and and false gods and we don't have a trouble coming to church on sunday <laughs> let's just be balanced I've had, again personal convictions go for it i'm with you on that but getting all ruffled up over over certain things that aren't so important i think it's an area of maturity where you can step back and see and know what's important to you know what's important uh, but as far as meddling in someone else's life and making your conviction their law that's when we i don't think ultimately help people come to christ they have problems in the Old Testament. Romans 14 talks about that. How people, they had questioned whether you could eat certain things. Some thought you can only eat vegetables. Some thought you could, you know, you can eat anything. Paul said one person's weak, one person's strong. But if that's what they're, where they're at, let them do it. Don't trouble them. Don't give them a hard time because that's what, that's what they think. They can't, they, they can't eat meat. He said, let let them do that. That's fine. Let them do it. You do what you're going to do. Let them do what they're going to do. Have respect for each other and get on to more important. I'm putting this in my own words now, of course. Read Romans 14 to get his. But, you know, let's get on with more eternal issues. Let's reach the world. Let's win the lost. Let's walk in the power of God. Walk in the love of God and and grow up. And one person thinks every day is the same. Another person says some days. No, some days are different than others. Some days are more important than others. Well, if you think that, then do that then make monday more important than tuesday or in our culture you know now sunday's more important than monday or saturday or friday well if you believe that fine but if you believe they're all the same then good don't you don't have to trouble everyone else who thinks some days are more important than others <sighs> amen all right everybody with me today you realize I'm going out on a limb here because I've been around churches and people for a while and I know that people get bugged with some of this stuff. So I'm taking a chance. Some of you are stewing, aren't you? You just won't tell me. I disagree with that. Fine. Big baby. On a serious note, I'm really okay with someone that has stronger convictions about some of these things. I don't want anything to do with that. Well, I'm okay with that. Just don't then. Just don't. We'll, we'll get along. I know a, a a pastor friend, and he was teaching on end-time events. How many know that when it comes to end-time events, the book of Revelation, last days stuff, eschatology, you know, Daniel, all this stuff, that there are a lot of different opinions. A lot of good, saved, God-fearing people see some end-time events differently than others. All right? Is that okay? Well, it tells me that it's not super clear in the Bible. Some things are, but some of the timelines and order of events, they're not all so clear. Some of you didn't know that. Know <laughs> the way I believe is right. <laughs> Whatever. You're the first person to be right about everything then. But this pastor was teaching on this, and it wasn't something he regularly taught on. It's something that he pretty much just avoided for, you know, many, 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 many years. And then when he taught on it, he had some different ideas than, you know, a lot of of people did, even in his church. And what surprised me and shocked me was a couple of reports I heard where people were saying, you know, I might have to leave this church. They said I might have to go somewhere else because of you know what he believes about that and that's not the way I think, how childish. For one, you'll probably won't hear it again for decades (laughs) at least not from him. (laughs) Two, that should not be a breaking issue. Let's keep our eye on the ball and recognize that some things we don't bend on. But there are some things there should be some flexibility. And it's a sign of maturity to recognize that. Amen. So mature believers, they are very discerning. Are you a discerning person? Amen. Well, you have that nature. You have that uh, as that a part of your new creation reality. And I believe that as, as you and I grow, we'll become more and more discerning. That's different from the discerning of spirits. That's a spiritual gift that can happen even in a baby Christian. Okay. But as far as becoming discerning, that's going to increase more and more in our lives. Amen. Father, thank you today. Thank you for your help and your strength and your, your leading us in all these areas. We believe that you're at work in us to help us to grow and increase in the knowledge of God and our understanding of spiritual realities and all things that pertain into life and godliness. Lord, we want to be used by you. We don't want to be a hindrance in any way. Help us, now I pray, to accurately see what's good and and bad, what's right and what's wrong, what's holy and what's unholy, so that we can give you the proper place that you deserve in our lives, so our lives might be set apart unto good things all the days of our life. Lord, thank you for ministering life and health and strength to every person who's here now. For answering questions, for giving wisdom, clarity of thought. Lord, I believe that you're at work in us. And we do now acknowledge you in all of our ways. We want to be counted among those who see him who is invisible. As we leave here today. As we go on through the week, we recognize you in everything, that you're always there. And we recognize the value of what we do today and how it affects forever. Lord, thank you for helping us to see, helping us to grow, helping us to know. In Jesus' name. Father, I do pray for those who've come to church this, this morning and have, that are not right with you.